Shalom Mishpocha, Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. Where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile, it's finally come down to form one new man, one new humanity, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar or the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone everywhere to hear the good news. We want everyone everywhere to be red hot for the Messiah. Now, there is an epidemic in our land, and it's got to do with the uh, computer, with the information age, and with demonic spirits that want to cripple Christians before they even walk into their destiny, and they get addicted to sexual sins, and in particular, pornography. I have Dr. Doug Weiss on the telephone, and uh, Doug, the statistics are unbelievable. Uh, Tell me some of the statistics about people that are into the sexually immoral life that are Christians, that are even pastors. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, we know that 50% or more of the men in the church are, are sexually addicted. They're not struggling. You know, there are people who struggle, and there's people who are addicted. 50% of men will raise their hands and say, I'm addicted. So, Sid, that tells you it's a huge problem. I've, I've had a lot of pastors uh, do intensives, do telephone counseling, um, because they're men, you know, and women as well. I mean, when you, when you have a, a pornography thing of where every second uh, $3,000 uh, uh, $3, is being spent on pornography, Every second, almost 30,000 people are viewing pornography. Every second. Well, well, you know, I I look at myself, and I'm on the computer. I've done nothing to trigger things like this, but out of the blue, I I get invitations. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's uh, so if I had a problem, which I don't, uh, I mean, it's, it's playing right into it. Absolutely. The enemy knows that if he can get you kind of hooked on this thing, it, it'll, it'll rob you of your destiny, rob you of your spiritual authority. It'll take you down a road you don't want to go. I mean, all of us, I've been, a, been saved now for 30 years, Sid, and, and I'm not a church hopper. I've been in my last church now, I've been in over a decade. But over my 30 years of being a, a, a Christian, half of the pastors that I've sat under have fallen to sexual immorality. Half. Now, what about the, uh, the flip side? What about the women? Uh, are they addicted to pornography? Are they addicted to sexual addiction as much as men? Not as much, but it's definitely growing. Early in my career, rarely would I have a woman come in who's cheated on her husband or was doing uh, things on the Internet. But now, I mean, in the last month, I've had a few already, and they're pastor's wives and they're stuff like that. I mean, it's gone. The social media's opened it up for them, and they start having these relationships, and then they hook up, and the anonymity of the Internet. So it's become a dangerous place for women to be as well. So, yeah, we're seeing a trend of even Christian women, even in Bible school, that are, are hooking themselves into pornography and social media that's sexually inappropriate and leading them down a path uh, that leads to destruction. Uh, you know, I, 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 I have to tell you something. For me, I had such a strong encounter with evil before I became a believer in Jesus, and then such a strong encounter with the Lord that, to me, as a believer, I couldn't touch that stuff. So I, I, I kind of even wonder how a believer gets so addicted. Yeah, now what you're asking is a fundamentally intelligent question. Uh, because all of us are new creatures in Christ. 
The blood has washed us thoroughly. We've met him. We've touched him. We, 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 we have his spirit within us. And yet, why do so many Christians struggle with this? As well as gluttony, anger, bitterness, rudeness, and a hundred other maladies of the flesh. Um, but this one's a little more powerful. Some of us have been sexually abused. That was my story. Some of us have been abandoned. That's my story. And so we medicate our pain through sexual connections to a fantasy world. That's, that's one of the primary reasons Christians can stay addicted. They haven't dealt with their pain. The other is actually in the scripture. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, when we sin sexually, we sin against our own body. Now, for years, Sid, I would ask my theology professors in seminary, in Bible school, what that meant, and they could not give me a satisfactory answer. Okay? It frustrated them. It was like, why is this sin different than all the other ones? You know, they're all supposed to be equal. But when we actually have a sexual encounter, God's made our bodies in such a magnificent way that we actually have these endorphins and enkephalins. These are brain chemicals. hits the prefrontal cortex of our brain, and we literally glue and attach to whatever it is that's in our field of vision, real or imaginary. Now, I've been saying something for a while. I'd be curious as to what you think, because I have looked at that Scripture, and I've tried to understand the Scripture. Now, here's my spin on it. The Bible says you become one flesh with your partner. What if that partner has got demons in him? Do you then have t- then you are t- totally accessible to your partner's demons, and I might add all of your partner's partner's demons, and it 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 gets pretty scary if you look at it that way. Really, it really does get scary, and 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 sexuality is very powerful. It affects the spirit, soul, and body. It's one of the few things that do that impacts all of you. That's why God has so many uh, cautions against and protecting us in that area. But you know, and I know, in America, said we've forsaken God sexually. Even the church, most churches raised by the world, not raised by the church sexually. Okay, so we are having the same fruit because we have the same teacher. Now, fortunately, in the last decade, some of the churches are coming along and they're having their purity conferences and they're, they're teaching good stuff and they're really getting practical and that's helping. But yes, you're right. The, the spiritual demonic influences are real. The, the, what I'm saying is the body glue, the, the, the neuro... Uh, um, uh, attachment is, is is really strong, and also the psychological attachment, where Paul said, sanctify your spirit, soul, and body. When you attach spirit, soul, and body, you do open yourself up for everything. Well, you know, I'm looking at your background, and it's almost like the devil knew you were going to do something important, and he sabotaged you in an area where you're on the flip side today, helping people get free. I, I mean, you, you, you were uh, born with uh, sex by two... Uh, sex addicts. Uh, your father abandoned you uh, uh, pretty much at birth. Adultery. Oh, I see. My mom was actually having an affair when she got pregnant with me. Okay. Anybody out there who, who is sexually addicted, who is struggling, I want to say to you, the enemy knows that you have value. And you're right, Sid. I was, God's spirit was, was, was selecting me for a purpose, and it's his purpose to set the captives free. But yeah, there was the the conception, then there was the sexual abuse, then there was the uh, addiction to pornography and alcohol. And when I got saved, alcohol and drugs left. Sexual addiction still struggled along until I started using some of the principles in the clean book that we're talking about, because those principles have set me free for 25 years. And I take a polygraph to verify my sexual integrity, okay, because it's very important. And you're right, now God... You know, here I am, I'm recovering sex act, teaching sexual purity to teenagers and, and having couples uh, talking about having great intimate relationships and, and having groups all over the country where men are getting set free. Yes, any man can be used of God. So if you're struggling, sir, ma'am, if you're married to a man who's struggling, you're married to a man that God wants to use. 
and start moving in the clean direction so that he can reach his destiny. So, sir, you can reach your destiny. There's no limit to what God will do with you if you'll put your heart and your hand in his. Now, you used an interesting term. You said people are medicated by pornography. What did you mean by that? Well, see, when you go to pornography, you go to what we call an altered state. You actually disconnect, and you go to this fantasy world where you're worshipped. Okay, now, all guys like to be worshipped, right? So that's a natural weakness. And you go there and you worship. There's no resistance. You're told you're handsome, you're beautiful, you're all these wonderful things. And you glue then sexually during that encounter to that fantasy voice and that fantasy vision. And so you medicate in that. When you're feeling stressed, you go there. When you're tired, you go there. When you're angry at your wife, you go there. When when you're too immature to deal with what life is throwing you, you go there. And becomes a place of solace for you. And that, that becomes medicine. See, when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't take the medicine, okay? But we can take medicine if we want to. And one of the medicines we can pick up of many is pornography, is self-behavior, is acting out with other people and social networks and other things. Tell me about Joe, who represents, unfortunately, too many people that may even be listening to us right now. You know, Joe was a guy who made mistakes. He... he acted out with a few people, committed adultery. His wife forgave him and um, didn't really get a whole lot of professional help, just kind of moved through the process of just forgiveness, we're okay. And his particular thing that he was attached to was blondes. And so he started text, you know, going on his phone, looking at pornography, self-behavior, start texting and being friendly with some blondes. And before you know it, he was having an affair uh, in his workplace in which he was actually one of the owners. And um, had an affair with this 30-year-old blonde, and then she served him papers for sexual harassment, and his wife was the co-owner of the business, so his attorney told him he had to go tell his wife. And this was totally the worst day of her life. And, you know, Sid, it goes back to this whole thing we're talking about, a little bit. This guy thought he could do a little bit, and if guys are even doing a little bit, they need to get into the clean process because it's so better to heal from a little bit then wait until you destroy everything in your life. And this guy had significant consequences because of his behavior. Well, we're living in such a permissive society. Uh, I don't hear too many pastors giving messages on being clean from the pulpit. Yeah. Well, I don't, some, some, some churches aren't even preaching the gospel, so did you know that? And, uh, well, well wait, wait, wait a second. They're teaching uh, positive thinking. Uh, that that helps a little bit, except when you die. He's coming back. I haven't heard. I haven't heard <laughs> he's coming back in like probably a decade in churches. Okay, and I go to churches all the time, and so he is coming back. And so yeah, the fear of the Lord has kind of lifted from a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's the key thing. I want to talk about that on tomorrow's broadcast. But we have a kit that Doctor Weiss has put together for us. Anyone that does the work, just as outlined in this kit, it's two DVDs a book and a workbook journal, which is called Clean. Anyone that does this work can be set free, not just from pornography, from any sexual addiction, and I'll go a step further, not just from any sexual addiction, but any type of addiction. Uh, Doug, would you agree with that? Absolutely. The clean principles work. And I want to talk to the men first. Men, whether you're struggling or not, this can help you tremendously to help disciple men. Men need to be sexually discipled in this age of sexual perverseness we live in. It is time for the men to stand up for each other and be each other's brothers. So yes, and ladies, your husbands need this. 
your sons need this. They're in the most perverse sexual warfare ever in world history, ever. That's not an under, overstatement, ever in world history. They need to be armed and equipped so that they can protect the women they love, you and their future wives. So this is, the enemy has declared war, Sid. Clean is us declaring war back. And the guys who do the work get well. I've been free for over 25 years, okay? And I've been helping guys for over 20 years get well. But, but, but you know what concerns me, Doug? It'll go on gener- Your children will be affected. Your grandchildren will be affected. We're making this entire kit clean, available for a gift of $50. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 one 447 2697 I have Dr. Doug Weiss on the telephone and the statistics uh, that he's personally experienced and aware of. It's, it is amazing. The sexual perversion is increasing, but the amazing part isn't that. It's increasing in the church. It's increasing in believers. It's increasing with pastors. And someone somewhere's got to draw a line. Now, Doug, one of the reasons it's increasing, it's the same reason for abortion. One of the reasons of abortion is there are some wonderful leaders of God that are having their life snuffed out before it even gets started. But I look at your life, and I look at at you were so sabotaged by the world, the devil, and the flesh uh, that it's amazing I'm talking to a sane human right now, Doug. Well, that may be true, but I'll tell you what. When the enemy declares war on your life, that means there's some, there's some value that God has in your life. And I can tell you, Sid, the church throughout world history, once it knows it's at war and wakes up, it always wins. It never fails. But the church has been in a sexual war for decades and not really alert to it's a war. It's strategic, and what the enemy's trying to take is the church's authority on planet Earth. And if he succeeds in America, we will look like Europe in the next 10 to 15 years. But you know what? Europe is getting even worse, too. I, 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 you know, I don't know, Doug. I don't know that we're going to have 10 or 15 years of uh, business as usual in America if it just this immorality keeps coming. I don't think we have 10 or 15 years. You may be right. I'm being optimistic. I, I believe that now is the hour through, through what you're doing and what we're doing together. People can become clean. If... If we lose our saltiness, we're in serious trouble. But if we can capture the light of God, if we can capture the sexual purity of God and maintain the destiny that God has for each one of our DNA, what he's put in us by his spirit, then if each one of us reaches that, I believe that we can have revival. I believe we can see the spirit of God. I believe our sons and daughters will prophesy. I believe that we will see healing and supernatural things way out of the order that, that, that America has seen yet. I really believe that we, are, that we can cry out to God and he'll hear us if we have a clean heart. Doug, you made a statement that is so strong, I want to shout it from the rooftops. And, and you said in your literature, God is not just your father, but he's your father-in-law. Explain that. Yeah, so many people, you know, marriage is not between two people. Remember that conversation, you know, is marriage between a man and a woman? Even Christian leaders were talking about that. That was probably the one of the dumbest questions. Man, <laughs> marriage is not between a man and a woman. It's between God and man and woman. Okay, a marriage is three people, and because of that, God's not just your father, he's your father-in-law. So if you're a man, your wife is God's daughter, and you have two relationships with the father, 
One is father, one is father-in-law. And the same is true as a woman. No, no, I remember my father-in-law, uh, the, the night I got married, he, he, he looked me in the face. He wasn't a believer. He took his, uh, the, and I wasn't either, by the way, uh, but he took his finger at me and he said, if you ever do anything wrong to my daughter, I'm coming to get you. How much more if it was God? Well, God feels the same way for every daughter. So imagine if you're married to his daughter, and then you're over here looking at pornography, and you're doing other things that are inappropriate. Imagine how he feels towards you. Okay, he has that same father-in-law heart towards the, the woman you married. So we have to be... So some of us, we don't really think about God in those terms. But he is your father-in-law. Every man, every daughter, I mean, and every daughter is precious to him. Every daughter is pure to him. Every daughter is holy to him. And so we need to be careful what we're doing, because as men, our spiritual destiny, our spiritual authority is at stake, Sid, if we go down the wrong road. Now, you, you have some weapons that we have at our disposal to protect us from this onslaught that's going on. Explain them. Well, I mean... We need to carry the weapons that God has given to us. I mean, the first thing is you have to commit to being clean. You have to commit. If you don't make a commitment, you're going to be very hard to do that. You need to have a plan, whether that's having account. You need to have accountability, okay? And one of the very basic things that we talked about uh, is the fear of the Lord. Fear God. Understand He really is, and He's a reward of those who diligently seek Him. And uh, He will mess with you if you are not... Uh, being appropriate. And we need to, um, you know, there's lots of practical things. Even, even going back to that uh, God is your father-in-law uh, sentence that, that you had, uh, husbands are supposed to protect their wives, uh, not open themselves up to the demonic and addictions. Well, and disease. I mean, uh, you know, it, it goes all the way down spirit, soul, and body. I know, I know women who have AIDS because of the inappropriateness. Their husbands. There are um, real consequences to this, Sid. I mean, um, and some of them are, you know, known, like disease and divorce and stuff like that. Some of them are unknown. It is the man who's lost his spiritual authority, the book he didn't write, the ministry he didn't start, the, the, the church that lost the, the, the wealth of that person, um, and all that kind of stuff, all the missions that weren't done. There are so many casualties that are unknown, Sid. Because in the book of Revelations, it says this, in, in 2.20 to the end, in the very end, it's about that woman Jezebel teaching sexual immorality in the church. God says, I gave her time to repent. She wouldn't. But the very last... Uh, Verse says this, to him who overcomes, and it was talking about this spirit of sexual duplicity in Christianity. If you overcome that duplicity, I will, not I'll think about it, I will give you authority over the nations. Every believer has international global DNA inside of them, and that can be forfeited by sexual sin. And uh, uh, there's a question I ask often, and I'm sure you ask this question. Whatever happened to the fear of the Lord? You know, I think, well, we took God out of schools. You know, so now our culture is moving in a godless direction, to say the least. Okay? And now there's some places where we're taking the gospel out of the church. You know, and so we're not really talking about the God who is present and who you're accountable to. We want God to be our buddy and our friend, which is, you know, that's fine. But he is God Almighty. Okay? And... 
when you honor him and understand that you will be accountable for not only what you say and do, but your heart towards him, then you want to live in respect of him because he died for me. You know, and I think for me, that's very core. I just want to honor the Lord. And men, if you're struggling and you're, and you're looking at porn, and you're going on sites, and you're doing things that are appropriate, women as well, it doesn't honor the Lord. And he wants you to have a clean heart. Inside your spirit is a cry to be clean. And you deserve to have that fulfilled. That is your destiny, to live a clean heart and a clean life and a pure conscience before our God. And you talk about steps that, that, that occur uh, from lust to death. You have a formula called U plus P equals D. Uh, explain. Yeah, that, that's a great chapter in Clean Sid. And um, U is, you know, yourself plus P, which is pornography, or we could put any of the sexual inappropriate behaviors in there, equals destruction. So many people are deceived into believing that these little private sexual text and emails and chat rooms and video camming and stuff they do, it doesn't hurt anybody. I've written over 30 books, and a couple of those books have lots of statistics in how a wife depression, lower self-esteem, weight gain, and, and their marriages are emotionally and, and less satisfying and immature, the husbands stay, that the children suffer relationship and all kinds of other consequences. So this is not a victimless crime. See, there's something I say in Clean that's really powerful, Sid. What a man loves is what he protects. And if you're protecting your pornography and you're protecting your sexuality instead of protecting your family, that means your sword is aimed at your family. And we need to switch that around. And men, we need to stand and, and, and face our sword against the enemy with our family behind us and confess our faults and say, this is what's going on. I don't want to be like this. I, I have a desire to be clean and be free and get honest with our, uh, our pastors, our spiritual leaders, our wives, and so we can be free and clean. Okay, you're talking about married men, uh, but there's a whole army out there of single men. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, uh, what is lust? How would you define that? Lust is very, we all know when we're doing it, okay? In, in, in clean, I talk about a holy hologram. A woman is multidimensional. She is spirit, soul, and body. When you reduce her to less than three-dimensional, you lust. When you use that for sexual purposes, you lust. Okay, so it may be that while well, I'm looking at something, maybe it's not pornography, maybe it's the Victoria's Secret catalog or Sports Illustrated, but you're lusting. You know when she's no longer a child of God. She's no longer a daughter. She's no longer a friend or mother. See, Paul said, love all women as sisters. And what he was saying was, put all women in a relationship context, and you won't struggle with lust. Uh, you, you know, as a new believer, um, I, I had zero background, but I was set free of a lot of things instantly. Uh, but I saw myself having a problem in that arena. And what I did is I took a scripture, blessed are the pure in heart. And the second that I was tempted, I said that scripture out loud and it just dissipated. It was wonderful. Amen. That's a good, that's a very good tool because what you did is you put that woman in a relationship context and you said, father, she's your daughter. She's your daughter. I'm not going to lust. Well, actually, I did it the other side. I put myself, and I said, I want to be blessed. I want to be pure of heart. Amen. (laughs) I looked at it from my side. (laughs) Good for you. Good for you. That's awesome. Okay. Uh, Our time has slipped away, and I want to get into what uh, entertainment does to the brain on tomorrow's broadcast. 
I'm speaking to Dr. Doug Weiss on probably one of the most significant topics we've discussed in in quite a while because it's affecting every household. It's affecting every family. And it's out to destroy your family. And it's sinister. It's sexual sins, in particular pornography, but every type of sexual sin. And Doug, as I'm looking through your literature and beginning to understand how the brain operates, uh, I, I told you, I'm, I usually on TV, I, I, you talked about uh, you, uh, using uh, uh, something for medication. My medication is TV, but I watch good things. I watch sports. I watch news. But I'm, I'm having trouble even watching that these days on television. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, even the stuff that's approved for children. I mean, I see the cartoons. I don't watch them, but I, I've seen the cartoons. I wouldn't want my children seeing those cartoons. They're demonic. Absolutely. And my kids didn't watch that. I mean, we don't, we don't do TV as a practice. I don't really watch TV. If I get a couple hours a year, it's usually like, you know, if someone like the president's getting elected or something like that, I want to know about that. But the world is trying to get you to lust and, and move towards its product. And lust is one of the emotional enticements it uses. And that's why, you know, you know scantily clothed women sell tires. It doesn't make no sense. No guy looks at a woman to buy a tire. You know, when you go to a tire store, there's no beautiful woman there. There's a bunch of greasy guys, right? <laughs> so, um, but those principles, the, the enemy is trying to bring his Ten Commandments into, into entertainment, and God has his Ten Commandments. I used to tell my kids, let's, well, let's watch something until they break three commandments. Well, that eliminates almost everything except some Christian TV. <laughs> and what happens with television, which is really scary, Sid, my first paper in Bible school was on this, is when you, go, when you watch TV, within three minutes you literally go into an altered state. So your conscience is really not available to you much. Watch a little kid watch TV and their bottom jaw drops. They're as close to being asleep as they possibly can be. And so, the- so it's hypnotic. It is hypnotic. It's exactly what it is. And the world is actually throwing its ideas into our heart. Now, I, many years ago, I heard about subliminal advertising, uh, and then I haven't heard much about it, where they put a message in that your conscious mind doesn't hear, but it actually gets into you. Well, you don't even need that. I mean, just look at some of the, the, the beer commercials and the car. I mean, there's enough lust going on there. And again, lust, sin, and death. And it's not just lust for... Uh, pornography and sexual behaviors, lust for the bigger car, the bigger house, the more you get discontented with what God has already given you, the inheritance you have. Uh, What about TV that has violence? It seems as though that's big time. Well, yeah, and that's also, you know, thou shalt not murder, right? So you can be off in in less than three minutes. Okay, I totally agree. Now, we live in a culture where entertainment is going to be there. We're the only culture, though, that has had so much entertainment that we actually have to budget it, okay? And I really think Christians don't budget their entertainment. What what do you mean by budget it? Give themselves so many hours of entertainment a a week, three hours, five hours. I mean, you don't need to be entertained 20 hours a week. That's ridiculous. Well, Well, we're a nation that has stopped reading books because of TV and computers. Well, but the church is 
to be the light. Go out and heal people. Go cast out a demon. Go set people free. Go share the God. Do something to advance the kingdom. If we would just spend one— But the church is trained to be an audience. That's the way the church is today. We have the paid professional that does the work. We go, we pay him, uh, and, and we listen to a wonderful presentation, and then we go home and watch TV, and we put the hours in TV outnumber the hours that we read the Bible or that we're in church. And, and no wonder this is happening. Well, that's the whole point. That's what I'm saying. Budget your entertainment. Give yourself a limit and live within that limit because you don't need to – your your life is not so bad. You live in the best country in the world. You don't need to be entertained 20 hours a week. That's ridiculous. All right. Explain to me what happens to someone's brain. Well, first you said uh, where we almost go into a hypnotic uh, position when we're watching TV for a period of time. And then they can slip their message, not subliminally, they can slip their message Really, into what happens to someone that watches TV to just relax and falls asleep, and they don't even know what they're taking in? You know, I don't know what the, the, all the consequences are, but I know you begin to take on a worldly world view, and you become to become desensitized towards the, the spirit and the things of God. Um, you just become desensitized to, well, it's okay to sleep with other people. It's okay to do this. It's okay to sin a little bit. It's okay to, you know, do this, you know, sometimes. And most of the things are not okay to do at all, ever. And so you get to begin to slip into, again, lust, sin, and death. You begin to move down a process where you become unclean, defiled, but you don't know it. That's the scary part, Sid. But... Uh, tell me, uh, talk a bit about the images formed inside of you, and then when real life uh, conforms with the, the image, what happens? Absolutely, especially those guys who uh, use pornography or the, or the media, and they, they take that, and when they have a sexual encounter, they literally glue that image into their brain. Now, suppose that's, you know, we were talking about Joe on another show. His image was particularly blonde. So when he sees a blonde, he's going to see blondes as an object instead of a child or daughter of God. Okay? If he does that with redheads, he's going to attach sexual reinforcement to that redhead who's a godly woman who you shouldn't be looking at that way anyway. But what we do to our brain can set up what I call landmines in the book Clean. And when you see a landmine in reality, it can trigger lust because you've trained your brain to lust after that, that particular uh, type. So what does someone do that's been raised, their babysitter was TV and now computers, uh, and they've taken all this. They have all these images inside of them. Uh, so they have all these landmines. What can someone do about it? Well, in clean, I, I, I tell them, I mean, one, real practical, Sid, if you're struggling with images and lust in your brain and stuff like that, put a rubber band on one of your wrists, and every time you lust, you check some girl out, you rubberneck her, make her an object, one-dimensionalize her, snap it. Quote a scripture afterwards. You know, think of things that are true, just worthy praise. I love what you said uh, earlier about uh, being pure-hearted. Whatever works, but start negatively reinforcing lust. Shut it down. And about 80% of Now, let me see if I understand this right. Are you saying put a rubber band around your wrist and snap it so you hurt yourself? Yeah, I'm saying spank the dog. Okay. I mean, if, if your dog is kind of peeing on the carpet, you spank the dog. Okay, I just want to make sure I got that. You got it. So but you'd be amazed how, how red I do a lot of men's conferences across uh -huh. the country, and I hand out, like, I'll hand out 500 rubber bands. And I'm preaching on Sunday. So this is like usually Friday. I think every pastor ought to pass out rubber bands this Sunday. Oh, I think too. <laughs> and there are, 
there are a lot of churches that are trying hard. I mean, Clean is making an impact. There are people who aren't sitting and watching. In your audience, they're probably very active in their church. And we need active uh, people to really help this move down. The church needs to be the church in this next decade. It really needs to be the church. You know, you've got to tell everyone the story about Tom, the head greeter that took this message so seriously, what he did. I love him. <laughs> I want Tom's in every church. So uh, Tom heard the message of clean, and he, and he heard the thing about, you know, confessing to each other and holding each other accountable. And so he was the greeter, so he would literally ask the two questions that I talk about in clean to every man who walked in door. He'd say, how are you doing with, and he'd ask those two questions about self-behavior and pornography. And if the guy drooped his head or said, hey, I'm kind of struggling, he'd say, okay, I want you to go to this group. I want you to get in there. And what happened is there became this culture where it was okay to talk talk about it in the men's side of the family. And that church has several support groups. The men are honest about what's going on, and that church is growing and multiplying because the men are clean, and they're talking about being clean. And really, it only takes one guy in any any church to start being the solution to get this cancer out of the church, because in every man's spirit, they want to be clean. Clean is in there. They cry out to be clean. I, I have to tell you, it's the most wonderful thing in the world to be clean. I love it. And and you, you've been clean how long, Doug? Over 25 years. So you know what it's like to not be clean. I do too. I mean, I wasn't saved until I was 30. And I know what it's like to be clean because I, I'm in my 70s now and I have been clean all this time. And I have to tell you, clean is better. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that statement, I've been rich and I've been poor. Rich is better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, yeah, you, you want to have that clear conscience. And, and the great thing is, Sid, with what, what you're offering on the program, anybody can do this thing. Anybody can start it. Anybody can be the solution. We, you don't need to be, you know, a pastor to do this, a plumber, a real estate guy, an uh, electrician. These are the kind of guys that are getting the battle done. It's us. It's, it's, not the, it's not what you call the professional team. Okay, let me explain the kit that Doug has put together for us. It's called the clean kit, and it is good to be clean. It's two DVDs and a book and a journal. Uh, And if someone follows these steps, it's sexual addiction, but how how about gluttony? Uh, How about gossip? Uh, how, how about TV? How about whatever, whatever your day? How about drugs? Uh, how about, uh, homosexuality? Whatever your addiction you can be clean. What's your experience with people that go through the course and do the work? If they do the work, their lives are changed. Uh, a lot of guys sit who are self-employed, their incomes more than double, which is a kind of a cool side effect for pastors. Um, if they're spiritual leaders, their ministries tend to expand, their marriages improve, they're spiritually, morally, and emotionally way more mature, and they feel good about themselves. And oftentimes, their destiny begins to release. And it's really exciting to see these guys who were kind of so selfish and self-absorbed become real spiritual men at home, the church, and their community. Uh, You know, there are so many people listening to us right now that are sabotaged, and some don't even realize it because it's little compared to what they call the big sins. Uh, But the Bible talks about the little foxes, and let's get that sabotage out before it becomes the fox. Whoops, we're out of time. $50 for the set called Clean. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. 
1-800-447-2697. It's good to be pure. It's a good feeling to be pure. First of all, because God says, be holy, for I am holy. Second of all, because it's, it's, it's going to make you be at peace with yourself. Third of all, it'll stop having a divorce. Fourth of all, it'll stop messing up your children. Fifth of all, it'll stop messing up your grandchildren. Dr. Doug Weiss, do you agree with that? Absolutely, Sid. And I think that um, if men could see the positive side of being clean, we would have a stampede of men signing up because so many men are spiritually, you know, not where they want to be, financially and emotionally not where they want to be. Their marriage isn't where they want to be. And they think this thing they do on the side has nothing to do with it when it has everything to do with it. You get men clean and their entire life becomes an adventure. Okay. What advice would you give the man or the woman that's listening to us right now that's having a flirtation affair with someone in their office? It may be just in their mind, and it may be just just kind of joking back and forth, but uh, what advice would you give them? How can they stop it? Or it may have been uh, that they've actually had an affair. Well, you stop it. If you can stop it, stop it before it becomes an affair. There's really damage there. But you need to be accountable. Get a friend and say, listen, I'm talking to this girl. It's inappropriate. It's wrong. I'll call you every day, and I'll tell you what I'm saying, what I'm not saying. Set professional boundaries with her and say, this is out of, you know what, this is unprofessional. I feel uncomfortable, and I, I really don't want these emails or texts. Block her from your text. Block her from emails if you can, if it's appropriate to do that. And you definitely should be blocking her from your text. Um, but, but how do you do that if, it, if they're in the next desk to you? Well, if they're communicating professionally, they should be calling you on your office line, not your cell phone. You can, you can call your company out and block their cell to your cell. Okay. okay. Now, what does a wife do who suspects her husband is, is into pornography or into having some sort of uh, an affair? Uh, is there anything a wife can do? Well, I mean, he can set up his emails so that they're all automatically sent to her. He can easily give her his call logs to see if there's any problems that he's calling a number or getting a call from a lot of numbers. He can set things up to protect himself. Okay, he can have a porn blocker put on his on his computer at work and home that gives her a report. Those are things he can do. Um, she should she can ask him direct questions. Okay. What about self-behavior? What about pornography? What about any... No, she just suspects it. So what can she do? She should ask. Okay, and what if he, what if he lies? Do people lie a lot that are into pornography? I know. I hate that, Sid. In my office, people come, they do intensives, and we actually do polygraphs to verify that they're telling us the truth every week. So I know people lie, so there's nothing she can do about that. I wish there was... Uh, if, if we had that, man... I wish I had some kind of little oil I could slap on some guy's head and it would turn green if he lied. Um, she's kind of powerless, but I can tell you what a lot of women have done, and it's what? dangerous. Lord Jesus, if he's doing anything at any cost, at any expense, expose it. I'm ready to deal with it. That is a great prayer. You talk to the Father, and he will deal with it. You just have to tell him you're ready to know. 
And I, Sid, I can tell you that in the book we actually talk about this, several guys getting caught by, you know, their cell phone calling their friend, I mean, their, their lover and connecting it to their wife and they're talking at the same time. I mean, crazy stuff has happened where guys have gotten caught. Guys have downloaded pornography, stopped at the printer, and then it, then it printed an hour or two later. They got fired. They got exposed. There's all kinds of things. But ladies, you need to be really 100% willing to go down that road and say, Lord, whatever it takes, expose it. I can tell you, women who've prayed that dangerous prayer, oftentimes within days, things happen that supernaturally God exposes sin. I, I now, now, you're the expert in this, but I have, have to believe that when a man touches a little fire, it's not going to go out until it's a forced fire unless he puts it out. That's right. And so you, you don't want to have inappropriate conversations with women. If you're starting down that road, there's something really wrong in your heart and in your marriage, go get help. Talk to your pastor. Go get. Go talk to a counselor. Get help now. You're already in trouble. And it may be that you're you're setting up a marriage that's not fun to be in, and you're blaming your wife for that. Work with the marriage God gave you, because there'll be favor in working on that marriage. Working, trying to work another relationship to get out of the one you're already lazy in, isn't going to help you. <laughs> it's not going to help you. Tell tell me about the holy. Hologram. You know, this is a revelation, Sid, that our bodies were created holy. And a lot of women will email me and say, Doug, why is my husband looking at pornography? I thought I was supposed to be enough. And I explain this to them. The body was created holy. And what men are attracted to is not pornography. And it's not beauty, even. It's holiness. And the more of the body you see, the more of the holiness you see. Now, we see this in Scripture in Genesis in, in two occasions, one with Noah's son. When, when his father was exposed, two of them covered him, one exposed him. In, in the situation with the, the Lord and the angels coming down and, and talking to Abraham before they destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham bows down. He sees the holiness, and he bows down. The two angels go off to Sodom and Gomorrah. Lot bows down, and then he tells the angels, hey, listen, you need to come to my house, okay? Then... The Sodomites saw the holiness, but they wanted to consume it. See, holiness exposes who we are as men. We are either uh, protectors of holiness, or we are consumers of lust. And that nakedness exposes our heart. Women are holy. Their bodies are holy. And when you see women as holy, it's really hard to lust after them. Uh, Tell me about James and John. You know, I'm a Christian, uh, Sid, and when I first, you know, I was still struggling with lust and pornography and self-behavior and stuff like that when I got saved. And I would use First John 1, 9. You know, I, I, I just think everyone listening has to have an experience with the fear of the Lord, uh, because I, I don't even get it, how people can flirt with fire. I get that, but let me answer your question. You, you know, we go to Jesus, and we want Jesus to forgive us, and so many believers are forgiven, but they're not healed. Okay, that, hmm. that is James 5, 16. If, and that's conditional promise, if we confess our faults one to another, we, we, we can be healed, right? The reverse of that is, if Doug keeps his secrets to himself, he's guaranteed to stay sick. So many men and some women are trapped because of pride. They won't tell somebody what's going on. As soon as you tell somebody, as soon as I told my roommate 25 years ago I was struggling, God started to heal me because that's the principle. 
confess your faults one to another that you can be healed. That humility releases healing, and that, and that accountability releases healing. So many people want just a relationship with Jesus on this. If you're struggling right now, Jesus loves you, and he is in the body of Christ. And if you will confess your faults to a, a trustworthy believer of the same sex, of the same gender, you can start to begin to experience clean in a totally different way than the way you're failing month after month, year after year by yourself. Tell me about um, a condition that I've never even heard of before, but you talk about it, called intimacy anorexia. See, at intimacy anorexia, I deal with a lot of people with addictions and sexual addiction. Um, this shows up inside the marriage. An intimacy anorexic will blame their spouse for all the problems, uh, will be so busy they have no time to date them or have time for just them, withhold love, withhold praise, withhold physical intimacy, um, withhold spiritually, like not pray with them, not connect with them, not worship with them, uh, won't talk about their feelings, uh, use anger or silence as a way to control in the relationship. Sometimes they control with money. They have a heart that withholds love. The spouse feels alone, disconnected, and they feel like they're roommates. And a lot of times, these intimacy anorexics have a sexual addiction issue going on as well. That's what we call it the two-sided problem in the book Clean, because sometimes they're acting out, but in their marriage, like I have a couple in my office this week, you know, they, 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 they weren't physically intimate for almost an entire year, but he was entertaining himself with pornography and self-pleasure regularly. So he has the intimacy anorexia and, in his case, the sexual addiction stuff. So that's a double-edged sword. If you're living that, you definitely want to get more information. I have to believe with the world we're living in right now, the soon return of Jesus, uh, that everyone would want to be clean. Everyone would want to be pure. Everyone would want to uh, not be sabotaged in their destiny. Uh, the people listening to us right now, men, women, single people, married people, uh, they value their children that value their relationship with God should be going through these three uh, uh, items, the two DVDs, the book, and the journal. Uh, tell, me, tell me about one person that's gone through this and what's happened to them very quickly. Oh, these principles have been used for over 20 years. This book wasn't written on a weekend. This was 20 years of stories of marriages being restored, men being restored, men returning to their calling in their life, men being able to say, I am clean, I am clean, and also leading other men down the path of, of cleanness and freedom and holiness. This works, and it's been working for over two decades. Tell me one quick testimony that comes to mind. Well, I can think of, I can think of the, you know, uh, we'll say Bob. Bob, who was struggling self-behavior, he was into pornography, he was um, uh, anorexic at home, came in, and he started working the, the clean principles, got honest, got accountable, and got into a, an accountability group, got accountable to a friend of his, and he's been sober for 15 years now, okay, and now is involved in ministry and touching lives, and it's awesome. Now, my guest is red hot for the Messiah. Why? Because for 25 years, he's been free from sexual addiction. Uh, Doug Weiss, how, how did you get addicted to pornography, personally? Well, I mean, for me, it's, you know, I was conceived in adultery. I was put in foster homes. I was sexually abused. My mom gave me, actually, a, uh, like a college textbook on human sexuality that I used the pictures for. And so I was sexually addicted really early on. 
and then of course that led into other behaviors. And so for me, it was definitely the enemy's plan for my life to make sure I didn't reach the destiny that God had. And and you know what I see as I read uh, about your life and I see how sabotaged you were. I imagine you even say this, if you could be set free, anyone could be set free and you've been free for 25 years. Yeah. And anybody can, if they'll use the, we're talking about the clean principles. If they will do the work, there is clean and freedom for any man or any woman who wants to do the work. Uh, Now, unfortunately, Sometimes this is a process, and I, I don't know if you... I, I'd like to tell you a story, if I could. Please. Okay. I'll use the name uh, Dwayne, because it's the guy we use in the book. And, you know, Dwayne's a young guy, kind of like some of us who grew up in the world, had his little porn and his little fantasy and his little self-behavior going on, and he married a really good Christian girl who, you know, didn't have any of those issues. But he never told her the truth. Unlike me, I told my wife. That saved me probably a lot of wear and tear. But he kept it a secret. Now, there's no such thing as a secret, as we're about to find out. So Dwayne kind of pretends to be the good Christian guy, has his little side thing going on, and there's some guys right now you can, you can totally identify with Dwayne. You're living isolated. You're believing there's a secret. You believe you're getting away with it, but you feel bad about it. Well, this was Dwayne. And years are going on. Well, sure enough, he's fantasizing and stuff like this. So in his workplace shows up this uh, younger girl, he starts flirting with her. She starts giving him attention. You know, he's paying the bills. He's working hard. He doesn't feel his wife appreciates him. So he's sending that message to himself. This girl is appreciating him and, and giving him praise. So he starts emotionally attaching to her. And, you know, before you know it, they're having a physical relationship when they're traveling out of town in an in-town. And then she comes into his office. She's crying uncontrollably. He doesn't know what's going on. And he tells her, she tells him rather, Dwayne, I'm pregnant. Now, this was all fun and games to Dwayne up to this point. And then Dwayne's in my office, okay? And they got to work on the marriage and things worked out. But he has now a lifelong of consequences for the thing he called a secret. And, and because instead of dealing with issues that he was struggling with, with himself and then when he brought into the marriage and then the issues in the marriage, he decided to go kind of this kind of sh- shortcut way in, inside of an emotional relationship and said he destroyed his life. Now, you talk about under authority, which explains what's going on. Well, that's a great point because here Dwayne was not under authority. See, in, in the book Clean, I talk about the three owners of our sexuality. Now, in America... We are so far moved away from God's standard that these seem foreign. But these are biblical principles. In Romans 12, verse 1, most of us memorize that you know, in, in you know, one of our early Sunday school classes. But we're to be, offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. That includes our body, and that includes our sexuality. So the first owner of all of our sexuality, married or not, is God. So you can ask God if what you're doing with your sexuality is, you know, uh, kosher, okay, so to speak, or, or this is okay, right? Now, if you don't have a direct hearing relationship with God, uh, definitely pray for God to give that to you. But then if not, call your pastor and say, Pastor, I'm thinking about looking at this porn and doing this. What do you think? Now, see, if you're really under authority, you'll make that phone call. And Sid, I have that arrangement with my pastor, and I've had that for the last probably 15 years. Any pastor in my life, 
I say, listen, you're my spiritual authority. If I feel like I'm going to act out or go into pornography, I will call you first. Are you okay with that? And everyone has said yes. And half of them said, can I call you too? I said, 24-7, you have my cell number. Okay, explain this authority uh, more. Well, like, you know, if you're under financial um, authority, you know to tithe. If you tithe, your money's blessed. If you're not under authority, your money's not blessed. It's pretty simple. If you're under sexual authority, you can have a blessed sexuality. So first, be accountable to God or your pastor or spiritual leader. Secondly, the second owner of your sexuality as a married person is your spouse, 1 Corinthians 7, 4. The body does not belong to the husband only, but to his wife, right? So if he's thinking about using his body, his parts, he needs to call his wife and say, Honey, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? <laughs> now, I can tell you right now, if the Church of Jesus Christ would just use those, those two principles right there, most of us would be clean. And I honestly do that. If I would ever have a thought like that, I would call my wife, Lisa, and say, Lisa, I'm thinking about this. And she would pray for me. I mean, it'd be awesome. I would never, I would not think about that. Now, I've never had to make that phone call in 25 years, but I'm committed to, okay? But most, most guys don't let their wife even be part of the battle. And you keep the, the strongest person, your ally, in the dark. And that's, that's really sad. But so that's number two. The third owner of, of your sexuality is you. Your authority as the third owner of your sexuality is limited to the bathroom, okay? And so we really – it makes it real simple. Okay, God, spouse, me, bathroom. That's it. Okay, we, we've got a couple minutes left. Uh, talk to people that are ensnared, whether, whether it's pornography, adultery, and give them, give them hope if they get your kit. Absolutely. If you're struggling, you are the righteousness of God. You are clean in your heart. You deserve to have that clean in all of your life. Okay, Jesus Christ has died so that you can have clean in every area of your life, every area of your life, including the sexuality. Now, you may not be using the right principles. You may not be being honest and open and accountable and, and using a lot of the clean principles that are in the materials. You can be, okay? I have seen men who've acted out severely clean today. I've seen men not in their right minds, ready to walk on their wives, clean today. I've seen women in multiple affairs stop those affairs and become the mom they were called to be. Clean works. We've been using clean principles for over 20 years. These are tried and true biblical principles that can set you free. That thing in your spirit that cries out to be clean, today you're listening, is a supernatural event. Take the next step, do the work, and and send Sid that's hard to say. Send Sid an email telling him your story of how you become clean. And, and tell me again how you developed these three tools that we're offering called the Clean Series. Well, I've been working with men with serious sexual addictions for over 20 years. And we've been using these principles in conferences and in my office, people, you know, uh, in Colorado Springs. And, and we've seen these principles work again and again and again and again and again every time they're applied. So, Sid, they work. And so what we did is we put them together in the DVDs, in the journal, so that guys can huddle up and do it together. They can do this individually. But any church can add this to their discipleship ministry. Every man should go through this, whether they've ever had an impure thought or not, so that we can become strong in this area as the church and help our culture come back to sexual sanity. Okay. We're, we're in an epidemic of pornography is just available, and I, 
I don't know this as a fact, Doug, but is it happening to younger and younger, like children even? Are they getting into pornography? Absolutely, especially with the cell phone epidemic. I mean, kids in junior high and elementary school have cell phones. They have a porn store in their pocket. And unless parents are blocking those cell phones, uh, they have access to pornography. And if you go talk to any secular school or Christian, they'll tell you that pornography is a huge problem on campus. And then also um, sexting each other, sending inappropriate pictures to each other. Yes, this is deteriorating, and, and the enemy is now going down in age to start to ravage us, and just like he did in the children of Israel. And, and it is time that we say no more. On our shift, clean is what it's going to be. It's going to be a clean shift for the church. That's what I'm praying for, a clean shift for the church around the globe. And I pray that your home will be clean, every member of your family, husband, wife, children, grandchildren. And as a matter of fact, if you don't have grandchildren, if you don't have children yet, if you're not even married, stop the devil before he he does this insidious uh, thing that you're going to have to bear that that sin the rest of your life. Yes, you'll be forgiven, but maybe you'll have a child out of wedlock. We're making the kit available for a gift of $50. Call clean. Shabbat broadcast. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord is keeping you right now. The Lord is smiling upon you. He's smiling upon you right now. The Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, and your back has just been healed, and your neck has just been healed. In the name of the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, Yeshua HaMashiach Tzikenu, Jesus the Messiah, and someone's arthritis in your fingers is gone. Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness. Amen. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, 
Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.